0: I want you to take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're in a series of sermons. This is number two. And our whole theme is about this, when God's fire touches God's people. We're talking about getting all fired up for God. Because when God's fire touches God's people, God's people can change God's world. And I think that as we look at it today, while you're finding that, I just want to recognize a couple of things and a couple of people as a family moment. I am so thrilled today to have the um, loved ones here with, uh, with Miss Carol. Where are you? I'm just looking for you. Shirley, where are you this morning? I'm, there you are right back there. A lot of our folks know that one year ago today, her precious husband went to be with Jesus. And I had the thrill of sitting down with him, opening the Bible. We prayed together. God gave him peace. And he's in heaven today. His brother... And sister-in-law are right back there somewhere. These lights, wave your hand at me. Man, we're glad to have you guys here. They drove up to be here today. Let's give them a good welcome. We're glad to have you fellas and folks here. Uh, just such a thrill. Nelson was, uh, has been a pastor, great preacher of the Word of God, and I hope you'll critique me today. Nelson, if you would, after service, we'll get together and tell me what I, you know, I should have done. God bless you, man. And on yesterday, we had a fantastic time with our uh, men's prayer breakfast. How many of you guys were here? We had a room full. uh, And wasn't that awesome? Tony, you just knocked it off the park, buddy. Tony Unbex is right over here with us. And uh, stand up, Tony. This guy is a powerhouse for God. He was in school at Tennessee Temple before I was. And he's well, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm preserved, man. But anyway, God came into his life. God used him. Uh, we tried to get he and brother david to tell us stories on each other we got just a little peek but not much but man what a message we heard yesterday morning about god feeding the five thousand and uh, the lord jesus having them sit down he had to sit down to be served and tony it was just fantastic i want you to come back and speak to our church on sunday morning and uh we would love for you to come a great basketball, all-american basketball player he was also the chaplain at Clemson of the football team. He started a program called Two a Day. If you ever played any football, you know what Two a Day is all about. And uh, we're just honored to have you here, buddy. God bless you. A thrill to see you. And if you're our guest today, I hope that you feel in this place the love of Christ. I hope you feel here today an acceptance because God has a word, I believe, for you and for every one of us. We're looking at this incredible story. And this incredible story, I love the Bible stories. We're going to talk about Moses today, seeing that burning bush. There are so many instances in the Bible where God reached out to man through fire, and God changed their life. How did they get like this? I mean, how was it that God's people, the nation of Israel, were down in Egypt, and they were in slavery? How did they get like that? Well, if you look through the pages of the Bible, you'll find out that Abraham had 12 sons. And they, uh, they had one younger brother, and they didn't like him too good. And so, you know, they, they sent him off, and he went down into Egypt. And the whole story develops from there. He was first accepted by the Pharaoh. And I'll tell you, you go going to in the wrong place, and sometimes you will be accepted. But sooner or later, if you're a Christian, the fire of God's in you. You're not going to be able to, to just have that kind of relationship with the world. Sooner or later, they got mad. A new Pharaoh came in. He said, these people are getting too many kids, and they're getting too many folks here, and they're getting too powerful. And so they enslaved God's people. If you've ever been to Egypt, you will see the pyramids. Many of those pyramids were actually built by the Israel people who were made slaves. And if you'll study that whole, it's amazing thing that they were there in slavery. And God heard their cry. Anytime they try to do something, the Lord over them, the Pharaoh over them, just made it harder and harder and harder. If you have your Bible to Exodus chapter 3, I want you to just pick it up. In verse 2, 3, take out your bulletin. We're talking uh, these days about God's fire touching God's people. Today we're going to find out that when God's fire came into a bush, think about this for a moment, that bush with God's power could speak to Moses. That's amazing. I'm looking at a whole bunch of people here today that if you and I would ever allow God's fire to touch our lives, God's voice could speak through you. It, you, you say, yeah, but man, I don't know anything. Well, he used, he used a tree. You're talking about being a knothead. My coach, when I was playing Little League football, he, he, that was his, if we did something wrong, he called us knotheads. Anybody here a knothead? I'm sure this tree was full of knotheads. Okay. But God got into that tree. The fire of God got into that tree. And God transformed that tree into a message board for him. And when God's fire touches God's people, God's people can change the world for God. So we have here this incredible story. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back side of the desert. And he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, And the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. It was on fire, but it wasn't burned up. It was burning, but it wasn't burning out. And that amazed him. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Don't, ni- don't draw-, draw nigh hither. Put off your shoes. Son, you're on holy ground. You and I are about to have a conversation. And that day, Moses, at, listen, 80 years of age, beside a burning bush, had a conversation with God, inspired by the fire, and God used him to rescue the greatest rescue in the history of man. Some say as many as three million Jews walked out of the strongest nation on earth through the leadership of Moses. This morning we were talking about it at the house. My son, grandson Brad said, hey, I like Moses. I think he's my favorite character. He said, did you know the Bible says in Deuteronomy, and he flipped his Bible open, he said, right there it is, right there. One of the last verses in the book of Deuteronomy said, there was never another man like Moses who looked at God face to face. You know, there's, a, there's a, something about this, about God getting your attention. I don't know about you, but I sometimes am just caught up in my own thought. And something happens to get my attention. Last Friday night, Maydell and I went over to, a, to Davidson, to a little Davidson theater. And we saw a play there called Children of a Lesser God. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. We went out to eat. She paid for it. It was a wonderful time. I'm driving home, minding my own business, thinking a lot about my beautiful wife. We're just driving along. And I looked in my rearview mirror, and there was Concord's finest shining a light at me. I thought, well, man, that's real cool of him. I started, I pulled over, and I thought he'd just go around and lead me home, but he pulled up right behind me. So I pulled into this little place, and he pulled up, and he got over there, and I rolled the window down. And he said, "Could I see your license?" And I said, "Yes, sir." And I, you "Ever, where's my license? Where's my dad get him license? You know." I gave him my my license, and he looked at it, and he said, "You know what? I stopped you." I said, "No, sir." Because I had my seatbelt on, which is rare for me, okay? And I wasn't driving real fast, which is also rare for me. I said, no, sir, I don't have any idea. He said, you haven't been drinking, have you? (laughs) Not much. (laughs) He looked at me and he grinned. He said, I can tell you, but you were weaving all over the road. I said, well, my light's real dim. I can't see it out there real good. He's just kind of grinning. That's not good enough. And then he said, I've got to go somewhere else. I'm not going to give you a ticket. Just try to stay in the lines, would you? <laughs> I said, Sir, I almost. Maydell said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were, I knew it. You wobble all over the road sometimes. <laughs> you know what I found out? We wobble all over the road sometimes. You know, we're on the road for God. If I'm not careful, somebody distract me, and I'll look over there, and if I'm not careful, I'll just go over here like this. You know what the Bible said about Moses? It said he was content to be in the desert. Perhaps the greatest leader that ever lived, in my estimation, the greatest leader who ever lived, and he was content to keep some sheep on the backside of the desert. Today, I want you to look down at chapter 4 and verse 12, and there are three words that just jump out of that. From the burning bush, he had a conversation with God. Down in chapter 4, verse 12, he had a commission from God. God says to him, all right, Moses, now, therefore, go. You know, we started talking two or three weeks ago about getting back, not wobbling around, but getting back on track. And I said, you know what I want us to do? I want us to get real clear vision. I want us to go back where we started. This church was started to win people to Jesus Christ. I want us to always, and maybe God will shine some lights, and he like the officer did. And I'm saying, whoa, whoa, whoa we were wobbling. All this. And God said, no, go tell people about Jesus. That's what it's all about. And you know what I found? That when God's fire touches God's people, God's people respond to God's plan. When God's fire touches God's people, God's people find God's purpose. All of a sudden it becomes clear in the light of God's fire in our lives. So when we look at this this morning, there were three little words that jumped out in my Bible It says, "And he looked. And he looked." We had thirty people in here last night praying. Young people, the two young people up here singing. There were, I believe, there were five or six teenagers in here, men and women. Some of them walked this building. Some touched the road that you're sitting on. Some got up here, some were in the back. We were just calling out to God. Nine to ten last night. You know what they were praying? God, help the people who come to church tomorrow to see Jesus. But I'm telling you something, folks. If Jesus himself walked up on this platform this morning and God's people didn't look, they would not see God's son. You know what we need today? We need a fresh desire to look. To see him. And he looked. Moses saw a bush on fire that was burning from within. I hope you feel that fire today inside you. Moses saw a bush on fire that was not burning out. I hope you'll find that but God saw the heart of Moses that was hungry for the fire. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, when God saw that he pursued, when God saw that he wanted something in his life to get him out of the desert, get him out of that place where he had been, listen to me, for 40 years, greatest leader in the Bible. And he was sitting there in the backside of the desert for 40 years but he looked and when God saw that he looked God met him God changed him you are today open up your ears real quick you are today exactly what God knew you would be today before you were born can I say that again you are today exactly what God knew you would be today before you were born. I've had people say in my ear, but Pastor, you don't understand. You don't know what happened this week. You don't know what happened last year. You don't know why, what, the place I'm in. And you know what, folks? The honest truth is I don't know. But I've got good, good news for you. God knows where you are today. God's got something on the table for you. God's thrown his oven wide open and the flames shooting out. And God said, I want God's fire to touch God's people, and God's people can change this world. God's fire is ready to meet you where you are today. I wish you could internalize this. God's fire. Is ready to meet me. Where I am today. God's fire. God's fire. God had been preparing Moses all his life. For this moment. If you've ever gone to college. You take 101 courses. 201 courses. 301 courses. And. 401 courses, right? Freshman. What's the next one? Sophomore, junior, junior and Senior. senior. Some people would do that in four years. Some take 10. really doesn't matter. If you look at his training for where he was, I don't think he had any idea that God had him in his classroom and God was working in his life before he got there. He may have said, God, I shouldn't have murdered that man. But but God, now I'm a fugitive. And he ran away and he got back on this backside of the desert. And he said, this just happened. No, it didn't just happen. God was preparing him. 101, he learned about faith at his mother's knee. He learned about the nation of Israel. He learned about God's people. And she taught him that. 101 was learned at his mama's knee. He never forgot it. Hebrews said, he turned down the riches of Egypt. In order to associate with his real people. 101. 102. He learned to be a Pharaoh. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter adopted. Think about this. For 40 years. He had been taught. By the leaders of the greatest nation in the world. To sit on the throne of Pharaoh. Can you imagine what kind of training that was? You, you know, you, you see kings and, and there's a succession of kings. And, and we've seen in, in the UK where there's a succession. And they start teaching those little boys from the time, they're a little bitty so that when they, comes their time, they know all the protocol. They know when to stand, when to sit down, what to say. They are trained by the greatest people in that country to one day walk straight and tall and to represent them in front of the whole world with all their regalia on them. They are taught by the best. 201, here's Moses taken out of a basket, put into that situation, and he was trained by the Pharaoh's Subjects in the greatest leadership school on earth at that time. He was trained to be a Pharaoh. Hallelujah. I bet he walks sort of like you, Tony. I saw you walking. I hate people that's real tall. I can't do that. I have to take three steps every time he takes one. I don't know how big Moses was, but I know one thing. They taught him how to walk. They taught him how to lead. They taught him how to read. They taught him how to negotiate. They taught him how to be the king. And just about the time you're in your sophomore year, you think you know everything. Dave, how many kids, you were in Tennessee Temple for a long time. Yeah, I won't go there. How many kids drop out after their sophomore year? A lot of them, don't they? They About 40%. You know why? They think they know it all. I've got everything I know from this school. I'm going to move right on. They bypassed 301. He had learned how to survive in Egypt. But in order for God to prepare him, he had to learn how to survive in the desert. And 401, he had to learn how to lean on God so he could accomplish what God wanted him to do. You know, there are five tremendous lessons that he learned. The first one, you need to write this down. Take your bulletin and look at these. I want you to take these home with you. By the way, two things I want you to do today. Dan's already mentioned about your bulletin and you can tear it apart. You can take that. There's an outline on the back of it. You can give that to somebody that you want to invite. You got these three things. I'm hoping that you're going to Uh, Do that, but you also were given my top five. Did everybody get one of these? My top five? Everybody get one? Okay. If you didn't get one, we want you to have one. Why? We've learned to circle people that we're praying for. Be a circle maker. Circle them. Start praying for them. We've got some of the best preachers in the world. Wait till you hear Tim Lee come up here, man. I'm telling you, he'll get his wheelchair so close to this edge. Everybody in this place will be saying, he'll fall off. He is going to fall off. He'll pull it right up there, and he'll just be preaching like so, and then he'll move it over here. Powerful preacher. If you have a friend who needs Jesus, you get him or her to come. That's what this is about. I want everybody, this is for your Bible, not to be turned in. This is you personally. I want you to write down some five or four or five names, because God is sending you out, and in the next few weeks, we're hoping God will bring folks in here, but I really want you to come. We've got Easter coming up. We've got Tim Lee coming up. We've got Jamie Ragle coming up. If you've never heard Jamie Ragle preach, he has that same gift. They do it two different ways. But we are after people. And the, when God got ready to send him in, in chapter 4, verse 12, he said, Now, therefore, go. But from the call to the command, here's what he learned. Five simple things. First of all, he had to learn, if you look at this, in verse 5, verse 4, as he said to him, Moses, Moses, first of all, he he learned that he, watch it, was real to God. He had to learn that he was real to God. Everybody in this room needs to know today, when you walk out the door, you are a real entity God knows who you are. God knows where you are. God knows what you are. God has planned a a place for your life because you are real to God. You're not hidden someplace. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of life have done to you. God is planning a life for you because you are real to God. And God can be real to you. But I think the first thing, he had to know that he was real. He called him by his name. Can you imagine that? He walks over here and he sees a burning bush and the thing's firing up. He gets a little bit closer and that bush starts speaking to him. I'd been out of there. There are two or three times in Moses' life that I would have been gone. One time when he took that rod, threw it down and became a snake, I'd been gone. I'd have pulled out one of my pistols. I've got a little 380 that has a laser on it. I love it. My kids played a joke on me not too long ago. They got a rubber snake, put it by the door. I saw that thing, pulled it out, pow! It didn't change. I said I must have missed. Pow! And then the head flew off. Still didn't change. I reached down, rubber. I wanted to whip somebody, but anyway, I don't want to do something. I don't want to run or something. That Snake came. That'd have been one time I'd have been gone. I'm walking by myself, minding my own business. I see this thing flaming up here, and it's, thing, and it's not, not burning. I walk up to look at it, and it speaks to me. Bradley! Bradley! Man, I, my desire today is that you know when you leave here that you are real to God. And before you walk out that door, I'm hoping that God's going to say, David! Mary, June, whoever. And you'll say, (laughs) the bush is speaking to me, hallelujah. And you'll know at that moment, God, you know where I am. You know what I am. God, I am real to you. You know me. Second thing he had to learn was, he had to know that not only was he real to God, but he had to know that God was real to him. So we invited him over there and he said, take off your shoes. You are on holy ground. This is, this is where you become to know each other. God's real to you. You're real to God. Today is a very special day in my life. Today, many years ago, on this date... My wife and I had our first date. Oh. And she reminded me of that when we were driving to church this morning. This has been a big week. You know, on the 7th of this month, I got my heart. Nine years ago, we had our first date. I wish I could tell you the story about the first date. I kept waiting. I wanted to say, I already, I already told my coach I'm going to marry that girl. He said, no, you're not. So, yes, I am. Confidence in Jesus. Hallelujah. I said, I'm going to marry that girl. He said, she's engaged. I said, I don't care. And then she broke up and she dated a basketball player. I said, I am in trouble. Trouble. Bad trouble. But if I said, if I can just wait till baseball season comes. I know what I can do with a baseball team. And so in March, when we were working on a baseball team and the season was in, I asked her to go with me on a date. You know why? She was real to me, but at that moment I didn't think I, I was real to her. So we went to a concert. Strangest concert I've ever been to. There was a little guy about this tall who played a trumpet. His wife was at least five of him. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling the truth, right? I'm not just preaching. Is that true? Yeah, you know me; I don't lie, right? So he plays this little old bitty bitty trumpet. That I think was about this long, and she plays this big drum. And he was playing a little song Da 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 I'd heard that song. And then he teaches us the words. Gladness is in my heart today, his big old wife. That was the whole show. That was it. I think she kept looking at me and saying, why did you bring me here? Because <laughs> I wanted to get close to her. And my, 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 some of y'all know this story, but it's real to me today because the, the day it happened all those years ago, and I, I, my roommates and my ball players and all those guys knew how much I wanted to date this girl. And I mean, how nervous I was. I took seven baths that day, and I'm just <laughs> trying to get ready to go. And, man, I got everything all set, and I got my hair just set, and I went into my room. And not one shoe was in that room. They had stolen my shoes. <laughs> and man, it was getting real close. And so, I ran and started running all over. I was on the third floor. I went up to the fourth floor of the dorm. Looked in every room on the third floor. Finally, I went came in one room. There was a bed there. Nobody was in the room. There was the ugliest pair of shoes I've ever seen in my life green suede shoes that were worn down to the leather it was only suede in the valleys in the shoe (laughs) story i went over there stuck my foot in that thing and it fit i tied it up and i ran down the steps. she thought i had stood her up she had already left her dorm walking over there man i came up to see her and i broke all Tennessee Temple rules. I reached out and grabbed her hand, you know, I'm so sorry. And we walked down there and I got her in there, we're sitting down beside herself. And she looks down and says, Where did you get those shoes? First date. That's how you really make an impression. Never dated anybody else. She became real to me. I became real to her. And that's what we got to do with God. He's not up there in the heaven somewhere. Disconnected from us. He's got to be real. We got to be real. The third thing. God wanted him to know. God cares. About hurting people. Do you believe that? I believe God cares about hurting people. How many believe that God cares about lost people? I do. I think we all do. How many think God cares about you? All of us. So he starts talking to Moses now about why he was really there. He said, Moses, my people are suffering. And he says these phrases. I have heard, I have seen them. I have heard their cry. If you'll look at it there in your Bible in verses 5 through 8, 6 through 8. I have seen them. I have heard their cry. Now watch this. Whew, man, I wish I could get up on this stage. I can get up on this stage. This drives the guys and the lights up there crazy. Preacher, would you please stay still? And I don't. But anyway. <laughs> no. Listen to what he said. I have heard them. I have seen them. Whew, hallelujah. Watch. I am come down to save them and i'm gonna send you to go get them and when i send you to go get them i am gonna go with you to get them wow you know i gotta understand how much god loves hurting people how much god loves lost people how much god wants them to know him When God's fire touched Moses through that and he was able to feel the fire that was in God's heart, God transferred his fire into the heart of Moses and God's fire drove him to go in there and face everything in order to rescue the people. And the next thing he learned was, I will be with you all the way. Wow. Verse 11 and 12 says, I will be with you. If you're going to battle, you want to have all the resources you can get. If you're facing something big, you want all the resources. If you're facing a big command, if God is signing you somewhere, you want the best. He was with him. You know what he told Joshua? He said, Joshua, watch it. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Most of us in here have heard about, read about, have seen some person who was used mightily of God. It may have been a lay person. It may have been a preacher. It may have been a missionary. It could have been any place, It may have been a business person. It may have been a housewife. It may have been any person. But if you'd look at that person, you'd say, my, that's somebody Look at there. I think a lot of guys dream someday of being like Billy Graham. I wish God would raise up another Billy Graham. I really do. A lot of us were at Tennessee Temple. I wish God would raise up another Lee Robertson. Great man. I wish God would raise up another missionary that can impact the whole world. I think that's what... When Moses left... I think that's what Joshua was feeling. God, what are we going to do now? That great person is gone. Listen to what God said to him. Joshua, John, David, Mary, Susie, whoever you see be used of God anywhere. As I was with them, I will be with you. Hallelujah. You say, how old was he? I begin to think about this. God was with Moses when he didn't even know it. He was a baby in a basket. And guess what? God was taking him gently down that river, taking him right down that river, on his way to do what God wanted him to do, just kept him, you know, kept crocodiles from eating him up. God was with him when he didn't know it. God was with him when he didn't deserve it. He reached his hand out and hit that fella. Killed him. Did God leave him when he messed up? Answer me. Did God leave him when he left, messed up? Yes or no? No, he didn't. He was, he was with him when he didn't know it. He was with him when he didn't deserve it. He was with him when he didn't realize it. He was on the backside of the desert. Back there. I'm, back, I'm away from nobody. I don't even know anybody. I'm back here. Nobody knows where I was. I am. But God knew where he was. He was with him. When he didn't realize it. He was with him when he didn't even want it. Because he was in the battle. He had a bunch of stubborn people he was trying to get to the promised land. One day he goes to God and he said, God. I didn't volunteer for this job. These are not my people. These are your people. They're contrary. They're, I don't know what to do with them. God didn't leave him. He was right there with him when he didn't even want it. And he was there when he couldn't do without him. You ever been to a spot when he couldn't do without God? He was there. In fact, he was with Moses all the way to the end, and God actually buried Moses. Now, all of those things, he turns around to Joshua and says, As I was with him. So I will be with you. God was teaching him. God was bringing him to this point. And then he had to learn. That God could use whatever he had. God first. Talked to him about his mouth. He said I don't want you to go preach. You know what Moses said? I, mean, I can't preach. He said I am. And he talks about his speech impediment. He had a speech impediment. I want you to go back to Egypt and tell them that God has come to reason. I can't do that. Have you ever talked to somebody who stuttered? I can't even imagine how frustrating that must be. Seeing that play on last Friday night and the girl trying to relate to a world where everybody else hears. And, and how that barrier, that communication barrier, man, my heart just went out to her. Some people can't hear, some people can't speak. Some people, when, they, when they're, if I were to bring, there's some people in this audience, if I were to bring you up here and I said, I just want you to tell everybody your name. You know what you would do? <laughs> Faint and fall out. God said, I want to use your mouth. I want you to go tell them. And boy, he starts stuttering. He says, I, I, I can't. I'd say, yeah, you can. No, I can't. I read a story this week. Fifty years ago, just a few days ago, John Glenn was one of seven people who left the Earth's atmosphere, went up into orbit, and they became the first men in orbit. They have celebrated John Glenn every place. He's got his face on a stamp. Everybody that sees him realizes this man is a real bonafide American hero. But did you know that John Glenn has a hero? The greatest hero in his life was not generals, presidents, congressmen they served with. It's his wife. His wife, his wife of 68 years. Her name is Annie. He's 90. She is 92. They met each other in the nursery of the church where they attended. Their parents both went to to church there. As soon as they brought him to church, they played in the nursery. They grew up, and she was his one and only sweetheart, and is still so today. John Glenn has spoken to millions. What many people did not realize and didn't even know that she could not speak. Something had happened. Don't know if she was born that way, but she couldn't speak. She, it says her stuttering was so severe that it was characterized as an 85% disability. 85% of the time, she could not manage to make words come out. And she talks about what that was like when he was away flying. He did 90 missions in Korea. He did 56 missions uh, as a fighter pilot uh, in Vietnam. And every time he had leave to tell her he was going home, he'd just say, I'm going down to the corner to get some gum. I'll be back. That was his little statement. I'll be back. When he started to go up in the shuttle, he came into the room and she knew where he was going. He said, I'm just going down to the store to get some gum. And she showed him she had already bought the gum. She put it over her heart. He was triple athlete. In his city. He was the most likely to succeed. He had been everything that you'd want, but he loved Annie and he married her. And in 1973, they heard about a surgeon who could help. She had surgery, and when it was all over, she could speak fluently. And they said, if you want to see love in action, now that they've been married 68 years. She speaks. He sits on the front row. And she speaks. And he beams. Beams. Because a tongue that once stuttered. Is able to speak. And I want you to know something. When God the Father. Touched the mouth of Moses, a man who once stuttered, walked into Egypt and declared the most powerful message that that nation had ever heard, and declared declared such a clear message from God that everyone was amazed. In fact, he said, "I got to have somebody go in. So, okay, I let Aaron go with him." You know what happened when he got down to Egypt? He never let Aaron say a word—not a word. And I thank God the Father was sitting up there saying, go get up Moses. I took a mouth that couldn't even speak and delivered the greatest message that that nation ever heard. And I want to tell you something here today, folks. God can take whatever you have and He can use it to declare the greatest message ever heard if the fire of God ever gets down in you like it was in that bush. Because God's fire in the bush was able to speak to Moses the truth about his life. He took that rod, threw it down, and God was proving that whatever you have, God can use for his glory. But you have to look. Some of us old-timers remember him. We used to sing, look and live, my brother live. What's that about? Looking to Jesus. The author and the finish of our faith. You may be here today. You say, Preacher, you really, I'm hearing what you're saying. But I don't really have Christ in my heart yet. Then that's what it's all about. God is trying to say to you, I love you. I came to this earth. I died for you. I want you to go to heaven and I've got a purpose for your life. And you will not die without a purpose. You will have an eternal purpose if you will come in to my family and let me come into your life. Today is the day you need to receive Christ. On God's fire. Such as God's people. God's people can change the world. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we sit in awe of what you do. Lord, we've been shaped to serve you. God, when we got saved, you gave us a spiritual gift. Inside every person here, there's a heart, a heart for something. We've been shaped. Lord, I pray today that you would come into this room. Speak to us, God. May we look to you. May you give us instruction. May we realize that today you are real to us. God, you are real. We are real to you. You see hurting people all over this world. You said, I've come down. I want to use you. Whatever you have. I'll touch it in such a way that we can change the world. I don't do this a lot. But with every head bowed, I want to ask you a question. How many people in here know that you know that you know you're on your way to heaven. And you're not ashamed of it. Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I, don't want you to, I just want you to slip up your hand as a thanksgiving to God. Say, God, I want to thank you for saving me. I want to know that I know. Isn't that a great thing to be able to know? But you know, there's a lot of folks, and I appreciate your honesty. You may have not been able to say that. But today's the day you could change from a big question mark to a big explanation mark. Jesus is my Savior. I am going to heaven when I die. And you say, how do I do that, preacher? The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He that comes to me, I will under no circumstances cast him out. These are promises. So right where you are, I want you to imagine Jesus Christ in front of you. And from your heart to His heart, I want you to talk to Him. I want you to ask Him. Say this to Him. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe You died on the cross for me and my sins. And I'm sorry for the things I've done in my life that are bad. And Lord, today I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sin, wash me clean. Jesus, live inside me, and help me to live for you. I am accepting you today as my personal.